the deep cold south. Ooh. Ooh. Well, he's joining us right now. Shortly, we're going to catch up with Brett in Tassie, who him and Herb go head-to-head about the types of fish they prefer. But first up, this guy, he grew up in Victoria, but now he lives in Queensland. He loves the fresh water. He's with us now. He's like you, Herb. Tassie, you just love it, don't you? Been with me for a long time. I'm 48 this year, so it's sort of been a lifelong passion. And, and when we moved to Queensland about 15 years ago, we discovered that um, there's a whole bunch of beautifully stocked freshwater dams up here to access any time of the year. So um, we started going down that road, and that's kind of where my passion lies now. Yeah, that's cool, Taz. So these freshwater dams that you're fishing, you need a permit? Yeah, mate, you do. It's... Um, for a year, it's like 50 bucks for a year, but you can get oh, weekly right. ones for 10 or $12, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not sure if you get a day permit anymore, but it's 50 bucks a year. Um, some of that money goes into the stock uh, permit fund, so that designated dam, you can nominate a dam. It's a great and idea. And of fingerlings, like, um, say, the hens on the, on the, down the coast there, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, I could nominate my permit funds to go to the Hinge Dam. That'll go to the Stocking Association for that particular waterway. So okay. it's a really cool way to regenerate fish stocks and, and have a hell of a lot of fun just on your back door. Can I ask, um, why do you, do you prefer to fish fresh water rather than going out to salt? Because mm. most, most fishermen, Herb, would they be salties? Well, I would say probably 75% are salties because there's more salt water than fresh water, but... Yeah, that's a good question. For me, spider like down home, um, the, the 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 brim and the freshwater stuff was more easy to access. And then when we move up here to Queensland, um, the option what I actually did when I first got up here, I got the map out and I did like a four hour radius with a protractor, and I scouted out west and up and then up north, and I had something like fourteen or fifteen dams that I could fish. Any time of the year, it didn't matter about the wind, the weather, the flood, whatever it might have been. So to unpack Queensland a bit, I started driving around these dams and, and I was discovered some of the most beautiful scenery and places I've, I've come across, you know. And, and to be in that space at any given time is, is pretty special, to be honest. You can get away from the rat race and the madness that we all know as life these days and, and disappear into the Australian bushes, hopefully it's as true as as, uh, as it, it's ever been, sort of thing. You know? I think I think the biggest question there is heard. Yeah, who has a protractor? Well, Taz does. Obviously, <laughs> he's working out his plan of attack. I like that. That that is organisation. I, I haven't seen a protractor since about grade two, and I can't even say it. That, that's the old plumbing coming out in his <laughs> That's a good thing, but you're mapping yeah, out good your, idea. your dams within a four-hour drive of where you live to see what you can attack. What because there's different fish in these dams. Obviously, like you got barra, you got Saratoga, you got bass, you got cod. You got yellow belly. That there's a lot of variety of Australian species to target. What's your favourite, Taz? Oh, look, my passion is bass herb, and that's because I grew up catching estuary perch down home in down south. And the EP and the bass, they're not related, but they're very similar in the way they they habit um, waterways, rivers, dams, whatever it might be. So yep. for me, bass will always be number one. I get a bit of a buzz out of any of them. I love chasing cod. I've spent. 30-odd years chasing Murray cod. Biggest cod? Uh, uh, my biggest cod uh, is 
111. Whoa! Uh, That's a monster. <laughs> well, it's not. I've got a lot of mates that have got them a lot better, and um, a couple of guys who I'm pretty good mates with have, have nailed the 130 club. So. That's, um, you know, 1.3 metres of Murray Cod is one hell of a fish. Like, That's a 50, 60 pounder. Would I be right close there or what? Probably in the dam, probably close to 100, Herb. Whoa! 100 pounds! So what yeah, sort of gear? You'd have to use a pretty substantial outfit for that, like 50 pound braid or something. No, the same as what you use for the tuna offshore. <laughs> probably. Yeah, well, in the last few years, and, and you guys in the sold have seen it as well, the, the evolution of glide bait fishing and big swim baits and stuff like that and probably I'm going to say eight to ten years ago we started fishing um, big glide baits and got the idea from the pike fishermen over in Finland on the big pikes they fish with yep. so 10, 12, 14 inch soft plastics and um, same sort of size glide baits um, and we started throwing these things at Murray Cod and we went from catching fish that were 75 and 80 centimetres to catching these metre fish regularly because of the size of the bait. And um, we had a had a period of time there where we reckoned there wasn't a lure big enough that we couldn't catch a cod on, you know. And wow. our problem then that we couldn't get a rod that would throw that lure. The rod couldn't deliver the lure. So we went through, uh, got onto some guys over in, in Europe, in Finland, and we got on some guys in the US fish for the big muskies and that over there and got some rods bought in and yeah. and we we could unpack these big lures and we started turning out some ridiculously big fish that had always been in that waterway. We just didn't throw things big enough for them to eat. Wow. And it's it is pretty cool. And there's some great lure makers and, and that right here in this southeast corner of Queensland that produce some fantastic live baits and stuff cool. now hand mucked in their sheds and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've seen that, Taz. They have a lure expo at Bean Lee in southeast Queensland, and I've been to it. And they have lures that look like budrigars, snakes. It, really? Yep. It, yeah, it, it's artwork, Herb. It is. What, look, the, the expo you talk about now, it's moved back out to Fernvale again at the, at the showgrounds that's, out there. It's on that's the right. Of, and it's really worth a drive. If you're into your fishing and fresh your salt, you just take a bit of notice on on the, and appreciate what these guys do for a hobby, you know. It's incredible some of the stuff they pump out. Well, they'd have to do that all around Australia, you'd think, wouldn't they? They'd have to have something like that lure expo, expo yeah. all around Australia. We'll have to get one of the guys on. Yeah, for sure. Well, can I just ask before we uh, continue on and talk about some of the gear difference between saltwater and also freshwater, Taz, uh, Herb, what would the lure be that would catch you? Oh, it'd have to be a deep dive in Great Northern. <laughs> <laughs> that swam past my nose, Spider. I'm hooked. <laughs> but you, you but it'd have to be bigger. You wouldn't go for the little one. The bigger, the better. The long neck. The long neck, <laughs> deep diving, 15 plus great northern. I'd have that top twisted off and I'd have it down my gullet in no time. Like a big lazy cod. Oh, dear. But that's a good point, Spider. Taz, explain to us, like, the difference. Like, you're fishing big lures, big cod, and, and variety of basses and stuff. It's not much different to saltwater fishermen for, say, flathead, dewfish off the rocks. It's very similar gear, isn't it? Mate, it's, it's becoming very universal um, in what we can do. So, like, my standard cod gear, I'm going to have three rods. I'm going to have a rod that's about seven foot that can throw something up to about four ounces. So it's a bit short and pretty accurate for snag work. Um, then I'm going to have a couple other rods around that 
seven foot ten to eight foot range that will go from two to eight ounces and then from eight ounces and beyond. My biggest rod that I've got is a Dobbins. Um, it's an ultra mag, so I can cast thirty ounces on that bird. Jeez, um, that's a big lure. Breaks out to about to put it into a brim term for the saltwater guys. About a brim of about eight hundred and fifty grams is what I can cast on that rod. Wow! Uh, so on that on that stick, I'm running sixty five pound braid and anywhere between sixty five to a hundred pound leader, depending on where I am. When you think about a bait that big, um, you don't want to lose that cod and then have him choke on that bait. Yeah, it's all about fish. Yep. So uh, I would get the bite on a lighter line, but if he breaks me off and then he chokes and dies, well, that's pretty sad. That fish might be 50 or 60 year old, you know? That's so, a really good point. Um, I always fish for the fish. Um, I try and do as much as I can as, let's say, a conservationist space would be. And um, if I can target that big fish, and they're always you know, released and photographed and, and put back again there on their snag, wherever they might be, but... It's um it's really important to think about the the fish itself and not just sort of your ego as a fisherman. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about um you know catching in fresh water? Some of the lakes we got lakes all around Australia. If people are going to lakes, what's the art? What's the key? Is it certain times of the day? We know that you know certain times of the tide people like to fish uh, yeah. on the salt. Uh, what about fresh water? Look, spider for me. Um, let's. They're all a little bit different each species, but let's say cod and barra. There's a few similarities in that. Um, lots of guys from, from the Goldie and that would be running up to Mondurin and probably up to a Wonga chasing barra or maybe even around Harvey Bay. Um, look, there's plenty of barra on the Gold Coast. Yeah, let's face it. Um, so what the, the similarities there, um, change of light. So uh, early morning, change of light, late. Evening to the afternoon, change of light into dark, the rise of the moon, the moon setting in the daytime. All these little factors are very similar to how we fish salt as well. Um, um, guys will fish, you know, an hour in front of the tide, an hour behind the tide in the salt. We're no different in the fresh. We're still fishing um, tide changes, and there's some really cool apps around these days where you can get. The, the tide changes on that particular part of the area. Um, I'll give you an example. A couple of, of last Christmas, we went up to Mackay chasing the bar and the dams up there. And I think we got like 35 fish for the week. And we 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 weren't fishing those tide changes and moon phases. Yep. We would have bought maybe two fish for that week. Yeah, so right. Okay. Those fish were caught within 10 minutes. Some of them were exactly on the turn of that. On that, when that app said it was two forty-one, we got a fish at two forty-one. Yeah, wow. Yeah. See, that's interesting to know because you would think Dan's pressure was no tidal run. No, nah. you would think it would have no play in it. And if you don't have the app, a good way to find out a tide change: if the moon is at a forty-five in the sky to the east, it's high tide, and if the moon is at a forty-five in the sky to the west. It's low tide. So there's a way of telling a tide change wow. if you're out on the dam and you don't have the app to tell you because you can't tell because you don't can't see the water moving. When that moon is at a 45 in the sky, so what would that be, say, uh, 10, 10 o'clock, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the moon's at 10 o'clock in the sky, it's high tide in the east. When it's at, say, 2 o'clock in the west, it's low tide. So there's a good way of telling a tide change. That's a change. great tip. Man. There you go. Did you know that, Taz? Oh. 
No, that's news to me, oh. mate. I've always <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was told to me. Uh, actually, I think my brother told me that, but an old trawlerman told him that. So when you, because when you're out at sea, same thing. If you're fishing the reefs or whatever, and yeah. you don't know what the tide is, but the moon's coming up, you know you're coming up to a full tide. Okay. Yep. So what about um, you know, Taz? I'm fascinated about lakes. What is it like? Is there a better time when you first wake up in the morning and you see that flat lake, fresh water? How good is it? It's just magic, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. Look, I've I've always had a bit of a, a bit of a thing about sunrises and sunsets, spider, and I've got a collaboration of photos I've taken over the last. 30 or 40 years, I guess, uh, of, of sunrises and sunsets at different parts of Australia, from the Kimberley to Tasmania to 100 miles east of Fraser Island, Blue Marlin Fishing, all this sort of stuff. And it's, it's, um, it's free. Anyone can access it. you just got to get your backside out of bed. And it, it is nothing better. There's nothing better than that part of the day. And, and how right you are, Taz. I mean, whether you're on the salt water, the fresh water, you cannot beat being on there before that sun comes up, watching it rise, the colours in the sky, especially if you're hooking up to a fish at the same time. It's pretty oh, no. cool. <laughs> but there is beautiful scenery in salt. There's beautiful scenery in fishing. Just getting out there and having a go. One of the best memories I had, Herb, and you might actually know, know the spot, you go to the up to Noosa and you park in the National Park there. Yep. And you walk down to the Devil's, I think it's called Devil's Kitchen or something out yep. the far point. That's front. correct. And um, so I leave there, leave the car park at four and I do that couple of mile hike and then down the cliff face and I'm down on the water's edge, probably the eastern part of our coast now as far as you can go and you watch that sun hit that water off that cliff face, mate. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. special time, isn't it? What, um, what's the best trip you've ever done? What's your favourite kind of destination that uh you know really surprised you oh spider for me probably when i first got to broome we used to go over there and go to a place called cape la vie which yeah. is right up the top up the top there and yeah. we used to go i had an old 12 foot to have and tinny back in the day with <laughs> a 18 hour johnson on it you know yeah um we went over there chasing Spanish mackerel, and I love Spanos. I've always enjoyed catching them and eating them and stuff like that. Yeah, and good fun. Our first trip was the adventure. So we went from – I used to work on Mount Hotham up in the Alps in Victoria. So left Hotham, went down to Mum and Dad's at Warnable, got the tinny, threw it on the roof of the Land Cruise, and across we went. So we went Alice Springs, across the Tanamai, out of Halls Creek, up to Tananara, over to Broome, then up to Cape Levick. We spent six weeks up there on the beach. We camped up there. Wow. And, six uh, weeks. Yeah, six weeks on the beach, mate. We come back like like greyhounds. We just eaten mackerel for six weeks, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, pe- was I was going to cool. say for people that don't know, you know, Cape Levique, it's it's an amazing place. You got these little straw shacks on the beach, yeah, right. um, absolutely crystal blue, aqua coloured water. Yeah. But it is a long journey to get from Broome. There's no, it's a dirt track. It's like going to Birds um, Cape. Cape York, but yeah. it's over at the Broom Broom side, and a lot of Indigenous camps, and they're very big on um, abalone around. Is it abalone or pearl farming? Pearl farming, mate. Yeah, pearl farming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's big over there. So yeah, that was probably the first trip. Um, my, it's funny. My 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 nickname is Taz, and and I actually got that from the first time I went to Tasmania when I was about twelve. Went down there trout fishing, fly fishing in the Great Lakes. 
And um, I come home and I would not shut up about this place called Tasmania. So, <laughs> so you got Taz. Oh. Yeah, that's how, that's how I come around. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. Isn't it funny how you get nicknamed? Look at me. My name's Herb. I got it from the car. A little beetle <laughs> that drives around 53 on the side from when oh. I was about three year old. But yeah, I've got, I'm Spider. Yeah, go on. Let's... Because I used to have dreadlocks and it was, uh, you know, long and dangly. So like a you know, like spider, spider legs. legs. But my first nickname was Stalker. Oh, yeah. So I'm happy go. it's not Stalker anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of gear do you run? What, what do you have? What boat? And uh, have you upgraded or you just love one certain type? Oh, look, mate, for, for many, many years, I used to run a, a, a five-metre top ender, a Quintrex top ender. I had her for about 12 or 13 years, and that was a fantastic boat. You know, you hear guys talk about an all-rounder. Well, that thing was definitely that. It went from fresh to salt and everywhere in between sort of thing. But um, now I focus so much on my, on my lure fishing. I, I've got a I've got a strut off the bass boat. Um, they're just purpose built for for lure fishing basically. Um, uh, they're fairly quick. They're fairly nimble. They're really comfortable to fish out of. They're just purpose built for that job, mate. You know, so I love my strut off. I wouldn't give it up for the world. It's uh, it's a great thing, and you know I can fish. Actually, we had we had Boston in there a couple of times over the last couple of years, and. Had Boston and, and Mato, my young bloke, in there, and um, you can fish three blokes in there pretty comfortable. You probably push it to four if you really wanted to, but yeah, I, I, I think I think as a bloke, you need I think you need two boats, or maybe oh. even three. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I strongly agree. <laughs> yeah, you the crab boat, the prawn boat, the mangrove jack boat, where you're bashing into mangroves and scratching it and stuff like that. Then you need what I call my work boat, which is the strata. And then if I had the money, no limit, I'd have the 50 or 60 foot Mothership. tackle boat that run offshore, you know? That's oh. where I'd get. Okay, well, there was five boats. Every, <laughs> every man's dream. Uh, I, had, I had that, two boats, an 18-footer and a 12-footer. And, yeah, I, I used the 12-footer more, but when the big boat came out, it, it was a good journey catching marlin. Yeah, it's just another tool, Herb, isn't it? That's what it is, you know? It's, it's, it's an expensive tool, but that's what it is. It lets you do... What you need to do exactly, Taz. I'll, I'll push on this too a bit. Like I looked up in my shed. I've just recently moved house, and uh, I looked at all the rods. I threw a lot of rods away. I, I brought thirty-two rods, right? And people look at me and go, "What? What do you need all them for?" Well, five are for trawling offshore, and, and them seven are for flathead, light gear, brim, and whiting, and then them three are for mangrove jack, and, and them three are for jewies in the seaway or a bit heavier gear with eighty pounds. You, every, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Yeah, mate, I totally agree. And I think my fishing in the last, definitely inside the last eight to ten years has certainly gone down that road. Prior to that, I'd have, just what you said, I'd have two or three rods for brim and, and bass, and that was sort of it, you know. Whereas now, I have a designated rod for that weight of glide bait. So if my glide bait, say, one to two ounces, I've got a rod that throws that glide bait. That's exactly and right. I've got, I've got my big rods that'll throw those big baits. And yep. without well, I can't throw those big baits. So it's definitely a tool for the job, you know? Exactly. What right. about, okay, before we let you go, Tazzy, uh, Tazzy's coming over to India with me at the end of the year. Yeah, that'll be exciting. So we're doing 3,500 Ks on a tuk-tuk from the bottom, from uh, Fort Kochi right up to the top. Wow. But we are trying to con our partners into allowing us a couple of days to go deep sea fishing at Andaman Islands. Oh, Remember we spoke yeah. to him a couple of weeks ago. Magic place. Like, you're that far. 
You're silly not to go, aren't you, Herbert? You've got to go. As our, as our chief uh, negotiator with our wives, uh, can you just give them a bit of advice to say they've got to go? They've got to go. This is a trip you need to budget for, you know. Like, uh, sometimes it can be difficult with the wife if they're not great into fishing. Uh, so I'm going to give Cherie a bit of advice and say let him go on the trip to Andaman <laughs> Islands. And I'm going to also tell her if she does want to spice things up a bit, you know, in the, uh, in the workbench and whatever... <laughs> Do what I did. Hang your rods over the bed. <laughs> I look up every night and look at five Stratics and two TLD 25s and Trinosses, and I tell you what, she's getting a lot more action now than she ever got before. <laughs> I don't want to get talking about lever drags now, Herb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, Taz. Fantastic, mate. And that's some good info. Good great insight. insight. You know. Good damn fishing skills, so excellent, mate. You take it easy and uh, stay safe on the water. Great chatting, fellas, and um, thanks for time. Over. We're going down to Tassie, Herb. The apple off. Brett, what is your last name, Brett? Flakemore. Flakemore. Flake. Do you like Flake? I love it, mate. I love oh, it. Yeah. What a last Flake. name if you love it. Yeah, I don't worry, I've cops. Plenty of flack about that. Hey, hey, Brett. Now you you're uh, you you fish a fair bit around Tasmania. You hunt for a bit of tuna, uh, yeah, kingfish, yeah, and that as well. What is the fishing like around those areas? Yeah, like the kingfish only usually turn up down here when the water temp like probably gets up around seventeen degrees and up. So I know that probably sounds a bit cold for you. Yeah, it's cold. Um, yeah, like when it gets up around 17, like we only really get the rats down here, but they've, yeah, people have only probably been targeting the last, I don't know, probably 10 years down here, but they're starting to get bigger every year. And like Team Shimano down here, they've, um, you know, they're getting the um, meteries now up the north of the state. So it's good to see. Yeah, right, meteory, meteory kingies. Now tell me, Brett, where are you in Tassie? Like where, where, where are you based at? Where do you fish oh, around there? I'm based on the eastern shore, so I'm only about oh, 15 minute drive from the capital Hobart. So, but yeah. um, yeah, we we usually fish down in the south, mate. So for the big bluefin and stuff like that, which Ooh. I haven't ticked off the list yet, but um, I've been set up with one on the rod. Don't worry about that. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get set to, up. We'll get we'll get to. Oh, we've all had one of them. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, like. What is the time, best time of year to fish? Because, gee, it'd be cold over the winter down oh. south. Well, mate, it's funny you say that because everyone, like the big bluefin and stuff like that, you know, the, the barrels they call them, like 100 kilo plus, um, they you used to only get them for probably three, four months of the year. Yeah. Which was, oh, you could say April onwards, I suppose, for about four months. But, mate, they've been caught. Every month of the year now, so really, it's yeah, yeah, even like November, December, like January in the warmer months. So, and and Brett, you fishing down there for a while. Why is that? You reckon? Is, are we getting more numbers because there's less getting taken in nets? Are, are we getting, you know, are, yeah. are you getting more fish because there's less uh, uh, commercial impact on the fishery? I don't know, mate, to be honest with you, like, with social media and stuff, it just seems like, I don't know, the word gets out a lot quicker about, you know, the barrels are here and, you know, you go to the boat ramp the next day, mate, and she's um, 
a hundred deep and you're waiting half a day to get your boat in. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I, was... it's, um, I don't know, but they reckon that like East Australian current's got a lot to do with the, you know, what bait it brings down and stuff like that because that'll come down like, you know, off the East Coast. And yeah. That's, that, where you get the big tuna, like it wraps around the bottom of the southeast Cape of Tasmania. Yeah. And whether that's where the bait just ends up and stays, like, yeah, yeah okay. a, lot of, there's a place called, I don't know, you blokes probably heard of it, Eagle Walk Neck down Tasmania is. Yeah, um, I love Tasmania. Herb, right. Herb hasn't really been down there. You've never been never to Tassie. Never been to Tassie. I've always wanted to get south of Hobart. I reckon down there on the bottom, yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest oh, with I'm you, right? Yeah. You know what I did last time I went down south down there? Go on. You know, like, here I am. I went down there, south of Hobart. Yeah. I was on a bus. Yeah. With probably 40 others. Were you drinking? Uh, no. No. Listen. This is odd. The, the average age of <laughs> the average age of 70. Oh, yeah, right. You I mean... was doing a garden ramble. We're driving oh, around. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Who's about to spew? Oh, my God. You probably had a few games of lawn bowls while you were at it. Sounds like you should have been drinking. <laughs> I would have been, Brett. Don't you worry about that. Oh, oh, absolutely. Now, I want to know before we get into your stitch-up story, because we, you've, you've given us a bit of notification of that, what are these brindles and these – because I watched the Aussie Lobster Man and all that, and Tassie's renowned for these big crayfish, lobsters, whatever. Are they any good eating? Mate, to be honest with you, a lot of Tasmanians will swear at me when I say this, but I don't rate it at all. There you Crazy go. People just absolutely froth on it, mate. Like when it's open season down here, you go to any campground, you can't get a spot. It's just full of <laughs> boats and it's just, honestly, it's crazy, mate. It's just, and people rave on it. Like you've like said, like, I don't mind the legs and stuff, but mate, I don't know what the big um, <laughs> the big fuss is. To be honest, yeah, with you. yeah, no, no, yeah. You know, hey, a lot of the boys, and you know, you you're watching the pot come up on the hauler, and she's full of colour. Like, you know, they get excited, and yeah, it's all fun and games. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah. are with you. A lot of people say it's a well and truly overrated. Oh, Have you had mate. abalone? Yeah, I don't mind it, mate. But I don't know. You ever? Uh, what about you ever heard of the fish striped trumpeter? Oh, apparently they're amazing. Mate, you will, I'm telling you now, you will not ever find a better eating fish in the ocean than one of those. Better than coral trout? Oh, mate, I got told about coral trout when I was up there with Al. Like, yeah. You, know, you won't have anything better than this, mate. Stripey shit's on that stuff. <laughs> what? Come on. Brett, are you, so what, oh, you've come was, up and eaten a fresh oh, trout, have you? No, nah, this is what I'm yeah. going to do. Cold water fish, mate, are always better than the water. Yeah, oh, right. I'm going to put it a stripe hey. on the social media from here on. Okay, I'm putting putting it up. What do you prefer, stripey trumpeter versus coral trout? Let's oh. see. Maybe parrotfish. No, no, no coral, coral trout. trout. Then yeah, that's the North Queensland warm water. You know, king of the ocean, like the trumpeter in the cold. So trumpeter are that good, eh? Oh, mate, they are. Delicious, yeah, like they are, and they go hard too. Like, especially you know, you're on the egg beater, the big spin gear in, yeah. you know, 100 meters of water. Oh, a lot of and, winding. You know, you know about it, mate. When you you wind the bloody sinker up, let alone 100 meters, you bloody yeah, it's hard, so, yakka. But um, yeah, they are 
a lot of blokes down here now are into the jigging and stuff, like with the knife jigs and stuff, and they are catching some huge stripies, mate. I've never seen nothing like it. So. Really? Yeah, oh, wow. Into the good time to get them because we'll in the get, winter. We'll have to get Herbie down there. We'll have to get Herbie down oh, there now. Down here and get amongst it. Do, sure. do you got great northern beer down there, but? Oh, mate. What's the rave about that, too? Oh, <laughs> come on. I love 4X gold, mate. Oh, hang on. That is the worst no. slop you could drink. Hang on. Hang on, Herbert. Thank you, Brett. Until yeah, well, 18 months ago, Herbert. What did you drink it was every day? Longer than that, Spider. I grew up. Yeah, but what did you drink every day? Forex uh, gold. That's right. only because I wasn't allowed yeah. to drink heavies. Oh, mate! If you come down here and get on the local stuff, the the Cascade Draft, you have a six pack, and you won't even know what planet you're on. Yeah, it's a good right, beer, we'll, though. I'll put that challenge yeah, to you, Bredo. I've oh. been to Tassie and I've been to the Cascade Brewery. I haven't fished, but I've been to the brewery. <laughs> I'll yeah. even do a six-pack of Toolies, the King Browns, the Long Necks, you know? Oh, mate. They just make an absolute mess here. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Brett, tell us your stitch up. When do you get stitched up? My mate Robbo rings me up and he's um, he goes, oh, me, you and Bones are going out tomorrow. There's barrels, there's heaps of tuna down off the bottom of the fryers. So that's a place down off the bottom of Bruni Island. Yep. Yep. And um, yeah, anyway, we get to the ramp and we're heading out and I thought, she's blowing already. Like, you know, she's blowing pretty hard and southerly too, which is not good. And um, we're heading out, heading out. And we got to the bottom of Bruni where the fryers were and he goes, oh, we're going to go out on the Offshore reefs, that's where they are, and we're steaming out about half hour later. It's blowing a bit harder, and I reckon we're probably in about a six-metre rolling swell. Oh. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been out in a bit, uh, you know. What size boat were you in? Hey, mate, we're in the notorious Bruce Harris Shark Cat. Oh, you can't beat them. One of the, Probably the best mate. Shark Cat ever built. Oh, they are. Bruce Harris. The he, water, mate. Oh, he, I love that. He, I feel safe in it every time I go out in it. So. He got it right, didn't he? Oh, mate, you hit the nail on the head real good. Yeah, he did it. Anyway, yeah, we're out there. Big C. Yeah, big C and stuff. And anyway, we've um, got the big Tiagras out the back and Robbo's put a spread out the back. And um, he goes, you ever caught a barrel before? And I was like, nah, not a big one. Like, I've caught, you know, 30, 40 kilo school bluefin. But oh, that's still a big nothing. fish. Yeah, they are, mate. Even they go hard, like. Yeah. And then put the spread out and wait and wait. And we're still heading out to sea. We must have been about, oh, probably six or eight k's off the bottom of the fries. And that's a long way from the ramp, let me tell you. Yeah. And I thought, where are we? We must be going to New Zealand if we're going. <laughs> <to everybody." laughs> yeah. And anyway, mate, we've double hooked up on these big Tiagras and the noise that come off one of them. On you, I was like, you know, they got 24 kilo of drag, I think, and yeah. this thing was just peeling like Humming, really. Grab that rod out of the holder, and he goes and get into it. Anyway, me mate Baines, he grabbed the other rod that hooked up, and he's got his in, and, you know, that was a decent school fish, about 30 kilo. And anyway, I'm fighting this big tuna. Yeah. And... I'm like rolling around, rolling around, and the line's still peeling off. It's near pulled me down to my knees at the back of the boat there. And I turned around and I said to Rob, I said, 
you know, is this thing going to stop running or what? And he's just laughing. <laughs> laughing, laughing. Look at Bainesy. Bainesy's laughing as well. And I thought, these prick. No gimbal belt, no harness. The rod's up <laughs> by itself. And then he goes, geez, you're going grey, mate. You've lost a bit of colour. And I was like, yeah, mate, this rolling around ain't doing me any good. Anyway, five minutes later, up she come. Oh. I had about a litre of bloody dare ice coffee on the way. Oh, <laughs> lucky one for coming out far. both ends. Oh, mate, she weren't far off. Oh. <laughs> and anyway, this fish is still on. I've spewed all over the reel. He's oh. all laughing at me. And he's a bloke with a laugh that they would have heard us from inshore, I reckon. They're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> laughing and pointing at me. And then it run again, like hard, probably oh. took another 100 metres of line. And. Oh. I said to him, I said, look, I said, if you blokes want this fish, I said, one of you are going to have to, we're going to have to tag out of you, I reckon. Oh, and no, he, you don't tag out. Oh, mate, I was, I was cooked. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and he goes, nah, nah, get it in. And anyway, I'd done this other big run and got a bit of line back, bit of line back, and I thought, oh, he's coming now. You know, they usually do this thing called the death circles where they'll just sit there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mate, nothing worse. Not moving. Anyway, it started coming, started coming. Got it up, just seen a bit of colour, and it just went again and uh. up on the motors. Oh, oh no! no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I never no. got it in, and the bastards were still laughing at me. Yeah, I would have and, been too. Um, yeah, well, it was pretty funny, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... The, the power, mate, in them fish, oh. is, it's just next level. Oh, eh? like, we isn't love it, it funny how, how some of these big fish, like you can catch one 30 kilo, 35 kilo, and, and, and sometimes a 30 kilo one goes harder than the 35. Like they're, they're just crazy. But, yeah, that's yeah. It's funny you say that because we went to a little spot down, oh, you could probably, oh, in a decent boat, it'd probably only take you half hour from like Hobart to get down there, straight down the down. It's a place called Dart Bank. Yep. And there's a lot of school tuna there at the moment. We went down and me and my mate and got a couple of 20, 30 kilo fish. And, mate, they were going so hard. Like, we were convinced they were bigger fish, but they were just putting up the fight real hard. Yeah. On steroids. And, yeah, mate. And then the seals turned up and, yeah, that was the end of that. So Bloody seals. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Brett, we appreciate it. We love it. Ah. We will get down to Tassie and make sure you do check out our socials. We got uh, Stripey Trumpet Up versus Coral Trout. Ah, yeah, I'll be on to that for sure because if there's any Tasmanians looking, mate, I know what they'll be voting for. Ah, well, tell them to get on the Anglers Facebook page and make sure you listen on every platform to the Anglers podcast because some of these stories, I'm wetting myself in here today. <laughs> I have had the best day of my life. Brett, thanks, mate. You're a bloody champion. Uh, no it was great to talk to you. A good local Tassie bloke who's catching good fish and trumpeter other go. Another go, boys. Get into them. Good on you, mate. Well, that's it. We're running out of time. We're running overtime. A massive episode, this one. But, look, we will put your best sunset photos up for Tassie, who loves a sunset and a sunrise. And also, have your say. Herb v. Brett. So make sure you get onto our socials, the Angler's Facebook page. Have your say on what you think the best eating fish is. <laughs> yeah, well, next week. And uh, join us next week because, Herb, we're going to meet you.
We're going to deep dive into why you love fishing, what got you started from, from the early ages all the way through until today. Also, Taz is going to jump back on because he's got a story, a bit of a tip for everyone. That's it, Spider. I can't wait to share my values of fishing throughout life. Stay safe on the water this week, guys. Over.